بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگز آف اللہ بی اپون یو ویلکم ٹو انادر ایڈیشن آف دی بریکفسٹ شو ہے آن دا وائس آف اسلام ریڈیو ٹوڈے از ونزڈے دی فورٹینتھ آف فیبروری ٹوینٹی ٹوینٹی فور ود مائی سیلف شرجیر السلام علیکم ہاؤ یو ڈنگ دس دس مارننگ Waalaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh peace be upon you I'm doing fantastic I'm looking forward to a show which will hopefully cause some waves hmm. <laughs> No clues there Pun intended <laughs> We'll see <laughs> I mean what we're going to be we're going to be talking about after the quick round up of uh, of the news we're going to be talking about the we're going to talk about flooding and uh, how much of you know how it's been quite alarming the amount of floods that have been or the the flood alerts that have been recorded around around the world and how much that's uh, that's increased during during the last couple of uh, centuries uh, last couple of decades and uh, and years as well but secondly and towards the latter part of the show we're going to be talking about the restorative power of rituals something which is quite interesting quite unique as well and um, we're going to be speaking to you hopefully we'll be speaking to a few guests who are specialists in this field as well both topics we're going to be talking to to specialists as well but of course this is an interactive show if you want to get in touch with us and um, uh, you know sort of sort of contribute to the show in any sort of way 0208-687-7878 is the number for you to call it's uh, it it will be an interesting show with the, with the topics that we're going to be talking about But firstly, before we actually get into that, we normally go and talk about what's happening around the world, around, you know, what's happening in the news. And before even that, we talk about the weather. So according to the BBC today, it will be cloudy and spells of showery rain will continue to spread eastwards. Rain will turn to snow on the hills in northern Scotland later, which is no surprise there as well. <laughs> Some bright intervals in in eastern England, mild for most as well. But tonight will be mild for many as outbreaks of showery rain spread northwards and it will turn drier for mostly for most people in the in the in the in the in the, in, the, in the south England towards dawn as the rain reaches the far north of Scotland as well. Tomorrow will be spells of rain and that will sweep into into the most but northern ireland and the southeast may escape may escape drier with just a few showers heavy rain is likely in north and west and will be mild very mild in the south the outlook for friday until the weekend a drier a dry day on friday with variable variable cloud and bright spells for most with just a few well uh, will well scattered showers in 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 some places it will be breezy but dry and cloudy to start on saturday but turning wet from the from the west through the afternoon and into the evening and sunday we'll see rain uh, clear the 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 fast east east early on leaving a brighter day for many with just a few showers in the northwest as well so if you're in the north it's going to get it's, it's, it's going to get wet throughout you know until the weekend as well yeah which is of course like i said no surprise there as well and uh, hopefully you know ho- the weather is changing the temperature is going a bit up but uh, hopefully it uh, you know we as we as we're approaching as we're approaching spring hopefully the the you know the springs the, the 
the winds of springs come uh, come into play and the, the weather gets uh, a lot better than it was in the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, we're already starting to see like flowers starting to bloom um, everywhere we walk and stuff. So the signs yeah. of life are there. We just <laughs> we don't want it to be too too wet. You just yeah. know how it is in the in the UK. It's always that. it's always nice and uh, and wet every, everywhere in the UK. But yeah, hopefully hopefully more dry spells. Yeah. But anyway, what's happening in the news? I think um, you know one of the big one of the big news um, headlines <coughs> is to do with the death of Steve Wright, and that features on most of the front pages actually um, of the newspapers. They're calling him the Radio Wonder in in the Sun, mm. and and there's a, a like a photo of the DJ relaxing with his legs up on a radio desk. And the inside, um, inside the paper says that the that he brought love and laughs to millions. The Daily Mirror has um, donned him the genius of radio, while the Daily Mail described him as a legend. The Eye says that he spoke to millions as if chatting to a mate. You know this um, this the obituary in the in the Times as well was something that that, that got me thinking because Steve Wright was it says that he was so obsessed with radio that in the long distant days before the internet. He once flew to New York for the sole purpose of sitting in a hotel and listening to as many local stations as he could to pick up tips and ideas. And The Guardian says that he spoke to every listener as a friend. Mm. So that what really got me thinking was, um, even though I didn't really used to listen, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't listen to BBC mm. Radio that often, to be yeah. honest. So I'm not, I don't know of his style and his uh, way of presenting, but you can see that millions have been touched by the work that he's done over the over the past decades and the effort that he's put into it and then I thought wait a second I'm actually <laughs> we're yeah, actually yeah. radio presenters as well yeah. <laughs> and we could take like a kind of um, inspiration from the kind of work just from hearing that he would just go into New York just to just to pick up tips and, and tricks by listening to as many radio stations as possible mm. that is something which he went out of his way to do and perhaps for me in particular I was thinking about myself how can I how can I improve as well? Mm. And by reading this, um, maybe I should then broaden the... Maybe we should go to New York. <laughs> <laughs> Travel a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just listening to the more different people and, and actually trying to do it with the objective of uh, trying to pick up how to <coughs> present in better ways and better styles. And, you know, to, you know, for the main thing is for you, dear listener, for you to enjoy yeah. and, to, and to benefit yeah. from what we're saying as well. We're not just here just rambling on and uh, having uh, just a little conversation for no reason. Which <laughs> yeah. The purpose is to actually give you some information as well and to learn. And hopefully um, by the end of the show, you've learned a thing or two um, which you didn't know before. Absolutely. I mean, funnily enough, yesterday was uh, World Radio Day as well. Oh, no. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, I did a show uh, on on the Drive Time show here on The Voice of Islam as well yesterday about, about the radio. So it's quite, it's, it's, it's quite interesting as well. And of course, well, the, the, the purpose of The Voice of Islam as uh, as the the fifth caliph of the of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad may Allah be his helper. Yeah. Right when when he launched the whole project for the Voice of Islam Radio, he said that we need to make sure and we need to tell the people, the indigenous people especially, that that the 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 teachings of Islam, the true teachings of Islam, go very much hand in hand with the, with our daily lives, and Islam can be applied to every single aspect in people's lives as well whether they're muslims or non-muslims so that's something that we need to you know sort of make sure and try and bring in uh the teachings of islam into into the radio as much as possible isn't Absolutely, it yeah. 
that's the one of the main the main purposes i mean there's a show i did a few a week or two ago hmm. where we spoke about the purpose of the voice of islam as well and how yeah. you know we need to spread our message through every medium we can and of radio course. is such a medium where it's has a, has a, an added benefit in terms of the reach that it has because hmm. you can't just pick up a tv and just walk through and take it in your car and you know, start watching it all the way to school or to work to work or wherever you're going yeah you can't just do that well radio is something which is already in our ha- homes it's already in our cars and it's everywhere you can listen to it at home you can listen to it on the way to work you can listen to it at work and no matter where you are it's on your phone as well so that's yeah. the the benefit of that is that you, wherever you are you can always listen to the radio and that's you true. know this is um you know you, you sometimes people think like you know it's probably sort of thing of the past but there are billions of people around the world who do listen to radio and it's that's probably probably the primary means actually for some people that's around tr- the world that's true because yeah. because some people in some places it's especially in the developing countries yeah where they don't have electricity they don't have TVs they don't have satellite dishes they can't watch TV and the only thing that they do have is is the radio yeah. and sometimes you will see farmers they're going to their fields they're harvesting their cro- crops and all of this and the only thing that they have with them um is is, is the radio on yeah. their shoulders and listen listen to listen to the radio all day so it's it is a means which uh, yes it is one of the primary um means of communication where for whatever reason it may be it could be entertainment could be getting information across could be educational purposes whatever but it's still applicable now as it was when uh, in its inception as well and there are some places where tv is not or the internet is not available the radio is very much available a lot of people do get inspired by the radio as well yeah i'm thinking back to i don't know why i just conjured up some images of uh, world war 2 mm. you remember yeah, during yeah. like uh, when we learn about the blitz and everything like yeah, that you yeah. know when you yeah. know, all the electricity is is out lights are all off what is it they're listening to or yeah, what is it they're that's watching the thing. they're that's getting the all the information from the radio and they're listening carefully like um and eagerly to find some listen to some good news finally and uh um, I mean, well, hopefully a, we hopefully don't yeah. we don't revert to those ages but yeah, uh, yeah. but i mean just generally the the principle of it is that you know radio still plays a vital role within society i mean there was a there was a a a a a, a movie which was made the imitation game oh, yes. how how, yeah. how the radio played a huge huge role uh, in that in that as well and you know that which was obviously dedicated to the world wars as well was that with the one with benedict cumberbatch yeah, yeah. yeah that's the one um so you know it, it goes to show that radio is one of those things where even if you know god forbid now if if the internet goes down if there's no internet if there's no data if there's no uh even wifi or whatever one thing that you would always have is is the radio and to get messages across get get you know g- getting information from one end to the other end radio is uh, is is key so i think i do still think that radio is a very good means for for communication and uh, it has its benefits as well so another news the, um yeah just going going in a different direction now yeah um going back to the you know the news headlines and stuff that are dominating the news right now is um the lab- is labor's handling of a row that resulted in the party ditching its candidate for the Rochdale by election and suspending another selected yeah, in Lancashire spend, yeah. which continues that continues to dominate the front pages as well the i says that Sir Keir Starmer is fighting to limit damage and head off a deepening crisis a labor insider tells the papers the paper mp's had to intervene to lobby the party leadership to withdraw its support for azhar ali when his comments first emerged um i mean this is another you know big talking point about you know with 
you know, when the elections do come come round, um, a lot of people are starting to turn against Labour as well. They thought that this was yeah. the Labour's yeah. finally, you know, going to dominate and you know going to win the elections and take away the power from the Tories. But it seems that they they just can't take a break, can't find a break right now, can they? Every yeah. there's one problem after another, one U-turn after another, and um, you know, with a lot of people, are, I can I can understand as well why a lot of people are upset with Sakir Starmer with his stance, um, you know, on the war in Gaza as well. Continued yeah, support I mean, of Israel. There hasn't been any sort of uh, clarity in that no. sense, and and a lot of people are thinking, a lot of the labor labor supporters or labor voters are thinking that. The Labour Party is not a Labour Party right now. It's not It's not actually for the people, not for the working class. No. And it's It's just a smaller version or a, a beta version of uh, of uh, of the Conservative Party, of the Tories. And a lot of people are thinking that Sekia Starmer is not the, sort of the right person to lead a Labour Party, um, despite the fact that, you know, the, he was with, uh, he was with um, uh, Corbyn, but still, people, a lot of people are thinking that you know they they used to vote Labour before they were Labour voters, but they're not going to vote Labour anymore. But that's the same thing for for the other party, for the Conservatives yeah. as well. And a lot of people, a lot of the Tories are saying that you know we're not going to vote for the Tories because of the things that are happening, because of the the disproportionate or the the way that the way that the, they went about the war, the things that they said about the war, which is happening, which is still ongoing, by the way. And uh, the situation is getting worse and worse, and no real attention has been has been made over there. There has been some controversy over the you know o- over the ocean over the, over the Atlantic Ocean where it yeah. comes to America and Joe Biden over the the uh, the Super Bowl that happened and the, the the images that that came out of him talking about his red eyes and all of that. I'm not sure if you heard about that, but it's it's something which uh, which goes to show that maybe these people. Maybe these world leaders, they don't actually care about what's happening in the Middle East. Maybe they are the ones who are instigating it. Maybe maybe they are the ones who are supporting it. And when it comes to helping, when it comes to aid, when it comes to all of these humanitarian, you know, aid and agencies and trying to help other people who are who are oppressed, maybe you know the the tables have turned and people are actually looking at. This is all looking at the double standards of these uh, of these Western nations, these powerful nations yeah, as well. So it's uh, it's a bit of a here and there with the, with the parties when you when you're talking about. Hopefully, people are saying that when you know different leaders come into play, uh, or maybe you know the the party is overturned and maybe they have a reshuffling, or maybe the you know the leaders of the parties because people genuinely are not happy with both leaders. Sakir Starmer or Rishi Sunak as well so people are saying that if other people come into play then maybe the policies will change but look we voted for the, you know us as a as, us a, as a country as a yeah. nation we voted for the for the Tories I don't know how many years ago but there's been five or six different uh, prime ministers in between now we haven't even voted for even one of them which we, we voted for for David Cameron right and then after that Theresa May the Boris Johnsons all of these they they came and we didn't even vote for them. So when when did we actually have a a a prime minister who we actually voted for, isn't it? Apart from someone resigning or this and that, but still, let's uh, one can only hope and pray for for the best. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing in the Daily Telegraph which is quite funny in terms of the 
the um, the Labour Party, mm. the candidacy does have its Mac cartoon. It depicts a couple at home on Valentine's Day. Today's Valentine's Day as well, yeah. I forgot to mention. As the woman selects a chocolate from the box in front of her, the, moan, the man bemoans, they're like Labour candidates. As soon as you've picked one, you realise that you've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> you can't get you can't get it right every time you yeah. choose another person in. Yeah. They seem to have done some uh, some terrible thing, and you have to replace them as well. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, the the thing is with Keir Starmer. In my in my opinion, I felt like he was a very promising um, yeah. candidate to be you know the leader of the country. Right. But then people started seeing double standards with him as well. With him being a human rights uh, advocate as well, yeah. he's um, he's spoken up for years um, for the rights of the the oppressed, and you, you remember when um, you know when when the Russia Ukraine yeah. war started as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. electricity being turned off and stuff or gas, you can say um, mm. straight away. So Keir Starmer is very um, emphatic in his in calling out for war crimes and yeah. and, and such. The moment it happens with Israel, he's like, yeah. oh, "I shouldn't. We shouldn't really talk about these things. That we're not sure. We shouldn't speak up yet mm. until we know." So, I mean, he even said that they, in one interview, he said that you know he thinks that what they did was right. He thinks they, 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 they deserved, uh, they deserved that. Um, you know, to turn off the, to turn off the electricity. You mean in Gaza? You're talking about in Gaza? Yeah. Or in, okay, in yeah, Gaza, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. That Israel was was right to actually cut off all, all the all the supplies and all the electricity and all of that. In uh, one of the interviews, I mean, oh, the listener, you so can you can the, make up your own mind as to what kind of person that is. Then who, who yeah. does say such a thing? When you see images of of, of children just being born, and then a few yeah. hours later they they passed away, of kids holding the sib the baby siblings in their hands and yeah. being the primary like carers now, uh, it's atrocious and it's it's terrible to see kids and you know not just the kids you know for anybody I, I, I sometimes put myself in that situation I think if I lost a limb hmm. how much of a life changer that is Literally. even if it's yeah. just a few fingers sometimes some people you know it might change the way that they, that you live hmm. now to, to lose whole arms or legs or, you know that kind of thing can can be traumatic to say the least yeah and, the least, and yeah. that's just that's just uh, severed limbs I'm talking and then we talk about you know, losing family members, mm. losing your parents, losing your yeah. siblings, your children, grandchildren, and not knowing that you know that unknown. That's some. That's something which um, which brings more fear mm. because you don't know if, if somebody's away from you and you don't know if they're, w- they're well or not. You have no real way of communicating with them, and you know we, we've seen the in the news recently about you know kids being stuck in cars and there's a tank going past yeah. and, and then, you know there's firing on the, at them, and. And just yeah, tragically it's, it's losing de- it's their devastating. lives. Yeah. It's devastating. It's devastating to you know to say the least as well. Um, hopefully, you know we can we can pray that the situation gets uh, gets much better as well. But obviously, if these uh, and the, the the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the Caliph, also said that you know if the if if the Western nations are saying that they're going to withdraw the agencies, the the help or the welfare yeah. system to them. Then what's wrong with the what's wrong with the you know the so-called Muslim nations? Why can't they go over there and help their Muslim brothers and sisters as well? Isn't it? Absolutely. It's you know it's it's their duty also to take care of their of their brethren and their and, and, and their neighbors as well. If they if they can see that their Muslim brother yeah. and their Muslim sisters are getting are getting hurt, which are right next to them, why you know they have the money, they have the agencies, they have the the power to go go over there and help them as well, and that only. Only when the Muslim nations unite and come together as one big nation, 
only then where the world would take them seriously. You know, that, that, that really reminds me yeah. of something important that the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, right. said, when you said that one, they're like one big nation, because the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that, you know, when, when the Muslims are like one body, yeah, and when yeah. one part of that body is, is in pain or is ailing, then the rest of the body also feels that pain. Yeah, absolutely. And it's as if, you know, you know, we feel the pain of one another, but also we we fight together to to remove that pain remove and that, that ailment. Pain. Exactly. And that is something which uh, we see is lacking in 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 the Muslim world hmm. um, in this day and age, because th- there's clearly nothing, not enough being done. If anything, it's only you know we can say the the Houthis who have done anything yeah. meaning meaningful. Yeah. meaningful, and that yeah. itself was something which is detrimental to other people, rather than giving benefit, direct benefit to the to those who are suffering. Yeah. Now. Um, if we truly had um, you know, a spirit of, of, of Islam, the true Islam, then this would never have been the case. The moment you see suffering, the Muslims would have felt that compassion and yeah. that sympathy within their hearts to be able to help as much as possible and to remove that um, oppression, the, the, the suffering, the, the pain, as, we, as we're talking about. Yeah. But um, it's, it's just sadly that's not the case. Sadly, but, that's not the case. I mean, we're here, me and you, Shadi, we're here to, to speak about the true Islam. The true teachings of Islam, not hmm. what the people are seeing in the media, not what um, you know the common narrative is about Islam, about being a backwards religion, not really um, fitting in the Western societies. Um, in fact, it does, and a lot of the principles that the West ha- uh, ha- have has now, hmm. a lot of them are very much in line with what Islam teaches, and bit by bit they're moving towards the you know the principles that Islam has brought. Of about fourteen hundred years ago, yeah. and you know that's something which is something to ponder over. Like, can it, it is, really be it that is. a false religion, God forbid, is um, is so much in line with nature and so much in line with uh, what what humanity is actually in need of? It's it's very strange to to think like that that, that something yeah. like that is is false. It clearly shows that there's some design behind it and there's some there wisdom. Be, yeah. yeah, of course there has to be. And yeah. there's a very you reminded me of a very you know very very prominent. But a very, you know, small but compact yeah. saying of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He said that a a true Muslim is that person from whose tongue and hands other Muslims are safe. Mm. Now, if if a if a Muslim nation has the the ability to 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 help out other Muslim brothers and sisters, yeah. then what why don't they? Or what what is stopping them from from actually doing that? Now. If you see one of your brothers or sisters getting hurt on the street or whatever, you'll try your best to to help them. But if you see your you know your neighbours, your cut your your the citizens of a of a neighbouring country, if they're getting not just hurt but they literally, you know, you described it earlier as earlier as well that they're literally going through a a living hell at the moment. And if we can, or if the Muslim nations can actually help them with their with, with you know with diplomacy. With the uh, you know with talks with other nations, but also physically going out there and helping them as well, you're helping them with your with your tongues, and with your with your hands as well. So that's something which the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has taught us, and especially those nations, the the leaders of the nations have that have that duty to do so. But uh, you know we like I said we can we can pray we can hope and pray that the situation gets better, and uh, yeah. it's, it's something which. Um, you can pray for, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just—I don't know why. I just thought about—I was thinking about the next bit of news that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, 
And we're talking about having like really good leaders, ones that we need that will actually look after our rights and stuff. And yeah. there was another one of the main stories. It's actually in the Financial Times. Um, is what it calls a Trump containment strategy from NATO. It says right. that the military alliance is expected to announce today that 18 of its 31 members are on course to hit a key target of spending 2% of the GDP on defense. And this was um, in response to basically what something that Trump said about NATO as well. He said that basically if they, if you're not paying your, you know, the, the amount that that you require on your defense, he goes, I'm not going to protect you. If, if Russia attacks you, I don't care. <laughs> Do what you want. I'm not going to protect you. Um, this is for the other NATO members as well. So that kind, that kind of rhetoric is... Um, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of playing into the hands of more war and destruction. It's telling, it's yeah. telling the world, telling Russia in itself that, you know, don't worry if like uh, worry. if you if you want to attack these guys, <laughs> I I ain't got their backs. Don't worry about yeah. it. You can do what you want. <laughs> that mean, that that's very yeah. very dangerous because just just words in themselves are very um, powerful, especially when you're a leader of a, you know, one of the most powerful countries in the world. Yeah, and you know, it clearly shows it seems as if like for some reason the world is still moving towards electing Trump as the president of the United States once again. And I, I don't know how, I don't know how people yeah. um, can do so, but, you know, each to their own. Um, so let's see, let's see what happens. And hopefully, you know, Biden also, obviously, he he hit back and said that this is like very un-American and very power, uh, dangerous to say such uh, such words. Mm. But, you know, that's Trump. That's Trump for you. He says yeah, what's on his mind. He says what's on his mind, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. It's it's amazing for the papers. He's there for the papers. He's there for the papers. Yeah, <laughs> he loves the headlines. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Little sound bites. That's in some uh, in some other news as well. Uh, here in the UK, inflation has actually or was four four percent in in January, the same rate as it was in December, as uh, the latest figures show. And this is some breaking news that has come in the BBC as well. That forecasters had expected a slight rise to four point two percent. The Bank of England's target set by the government is actually two percent, so it's still you know to to actually decrease. Now the government met its pledge to to half inflation in twenty twenty three. That's what that's what the prime minister said that it hit a peak of eleven point one percent in October twenty twenty two, and the higher inflation t- intends to mean higher interest rates. So falling or flat inflation could lead to lower borrowing costs as well. So hopefully, according to the according to the to the Office of National Statistics, the annual rate was unchanged as a result of price falling by zero point six percent on the uh, on on the month, the same rate it was between December and January, a year earlier on. The largest upward upward contribution to the monthly changes in annual rates comes from housing and household services such as higher gas and electricity. Uh, charges as well, but let's uh, let's see. the The new data shows core inflation, which includes, which excludes, sorry, energy and food, which was unchanged at five point one percent. So it it is going uh, a little bit down. But let's see if it, if the if the, if the government actually meet meets its uh you know its uh, its target by halving and getting rid uh, getting rid of uh, getting rid of infla- inflation as well. As much as possible, we see that the energy bills have slightly have slightly gone down. You know, fuel has gone slightly down as well. Yeah, petrol and diesel. But uh, let's uh, let's see, because obviously, when the weather gets better, it's always it's always worse in the winter when the energy bills are are, are higher. Yeah, when you need to use the heating. When you need to, yeah, exactly.
But now when the you know, weather starts to open up a little bit, the seasons, the hottest seasons start, start to come into play, it'll go, you know, a little bit a little bit down. But let's see if it actually continues to do so or not. I mean that's the that's the news uh, right uh, right now and uh, it's uh, Champions League uh, Champions League has actually come back finally yesterday was one of the you know was one of the one of the legs as well and uh, today will be another uh, very very interesting very interesting leg let's see let's see what happens it's been quite interesting in the in the Premier League also with uh, Arsenal actually coming back and uh, you know, beating they beat the Liverpool, so and West Ham smashed them in the. They hammered them. They hammered them. They hammered them. That's good. That's good. <laughs> in their own home as well, yeah. which was um, which was quite interesting, and also, uh, De Bruyne uh, came back and you know did some uh, did some good some good things yesterday, in the in the Champions League match, and uh, over on the over into La Liga. Real Madrid beating second place Girona also, which was uh, quite quite a spectacle to say the to say the least as well. So getting on top of the getting on top of the league. Let's see, let's see how it happens. We still Girona were a surprise package, aren't they this time? They're very yeah, absolutely. They were I mean, top they've been, for a long time. They were they were top for a long time. Now now they've been uh, second for for a few weeks now as well. But uh, yeah, let's see, let's see how it turns out. We still got a few games, a few games there. It's maybe about. 13 14 games left r- roughly yeah i mean in terms of the the premier league it's quite a seems to be a quite, quite a bit of a three horse race arsenal have put themselves back in the fray yeah but it seems man city yeah. man city and liverpool are like they're not really dropping points <coughs> and those are the signs of kind of yeah. uh, champions and you know there was a very very tight race uh, a few years back between it liverpool was. and man city yeah and hopefully this one's an exciting one as well i mean hopefully i mean arsenal did beat liverpool who are at the top yes, so yeah. let's see um, like you said, those three teams are looking a bit looking a bit strong, and uh, you know, let's see, let's see how it how it actually turns out in in the in the weeks to come. Uh, we're going to be taking a short break, and right after when we come back, we're going to go into our our first segment for this uh, this morning, which is flooding flooding alerts have uh, sort of increased around the world. Let's speak a little bit more about that. Zero two zero eight six eight seven. 7878 is the number for you to call. We'll be back after a short break. A new station, The Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with The Voice of Islam. Writings of the Promised Messiah, Salam. When you stand up in prayer, you should know it for certain that your God has the power to do all that He wills then your prayer will be accepted and you will behold the wonders of God's power that we have beheld. Our testimony is based on seeing and is not a mere tale. How should the supplication of a person be accepted and how should he have the courage to pray at the time of great difficulties when according to him he is opposed by the law of nature? unless he believes that God has power over everything. You should not be like that. Your God is one who has suspended numberless stars without any support and who has created heaven and earth from nothing. And would you think so ill of him as to imagine that your objective is beyond his power? 
such thinking will frustrate you. Our God possesses numberless wonders, but only those observe them who become wholly His with certainty and fidelity. He does not disclose His powers to those who do not believe in His powers and are not faithful to Him. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on The Voice of Islam Radio. We're talking about flooding alerts occurring here in the UK and across the world as well and how much that's uh, you know how much that's increased but uh, if you want to inc- if you want to contribute to the show the number to call in is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Brits are braced for flooding throughout this week, um, as uh, as up to hundred and seventy millimeters of rain is said to batter parts of the country. And as we mentioned, the the, the weather as well, and ho- mostly that's going to be in in the northern areas as well. Fronts will push into in from the southwest on, on, on Thursday, introducing rain and milder air to England and Wales. And this is likely to result in some significant rainfall to, uh, totals across the region of England and Wales. Most likely the Midlands, so the northern areas of northern England and northern Wales, which could lead to some problems with flooding. As colder air pushes in from the north through Friday and Saturday, there is a potential there is potential for this to for this to turn to snow in the northern flank as well, mainly mainly on 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 high ground, but potentially to low levels as well, depending on how quickly the cold air comes down from the from the north. So, you know, there are several flooding floods that that have caused a lot of distress and a lot of trouble. In, not not just in northern areas, but uh, here in the south as well, even in London. Sometimes when it rains too much, yeah, 
the roads they they just get they just get flooded and they ha- there has to be diversions and then when the when the flood clears and there's potholes and the road gets you know get, they have to repair the road because it rips and all of that and uh, a, a lot of things a lot there's a lot of things which uh, which come into play as well there are several flood warnings and alerts in 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 place currently but more unexpected by the end of the week and these include concerns for river uh, Lambourne in uh, Berkshire, Upper Us near York, and low-lying properties in the Upper Hull um, place as well. But the Met Office has said that a lengthy period of rain looks likely to, ve- to develop across parts of Western Scotland on Sunday and Monday. Initially, rain will slowly push north through Sunday before pivoting and then returning south later on Monday. And some southern parts of the warning areas uh, may, may see a drier interlude for, for a time on Monday and there is some uncertainty as to how far north the rain gets. 40 to 75 millimetres of rain may fall quite widely in the warning areas but there is potential for 120 to 170 millimetres in the wettest areas and this perhaps most likely is uh, is a part of part of those places as well, where you know where, where I just mentioned as well, and of course in Westeros also, these areas typically see 120 120 millimeters of rain across the whole of an average, in you know in in in, in the February, but uh, it expected to 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 be that figure as well, and with that in mind, the Met Office has reminded residents to take action. In case they, in case they experience flooding, also, so the alerts have uh, have actually been there. The warnings have actually been there, and uh, you know we we will try our best, or you need, we need whoever is in those areas need to try their best to you know look out, look out for for the floodings in the areas. Let's speak to a guest who's on the line with us, who's a flood scientist from the University of Reading, Helen Hooker. Peace be upon you. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much for for joining us this morning. Just to begin with, has has there been an increase in flooding uh, in the past few years? Not only in the UK, but uh, but worldwide. Yes, yeah, so we have seen that extreme floods in the UK and in other parts of the world are happening much more often than they used to. This doesn't mean that flooding has worsened everywhere, as some places are also seeing worsening droughts and water shortages. But, for example, the flooding following Storm Hank in the UK in January, we saw flood levels on the River Trent that generally we would used to see around once every 50 years. Hmm. And now these are occurring around average on every nine years. So our bigger floods are getting bigger. Right. And more more frequent. Yeah, we are seeing an increase in, in the frequency of the number of floods in some places. We'll ask you, uh, Helen, why why the floodings are occurring are occurring more drastically and more frequently as well. But just talking about flooding in itself, how how does that how is that sort of detrimental for the for communities, for infrastructure, for the roads especially? Yeah, so flooding is very disruptive, particularly to the transport network, as you mentioned there. So it can often disrupt. Uh, roads cause road closures, which stops people being able to get 
work, for example, or to school. Um, we also see damage to braille networks. Um, and then more devastating is the actual impact on people's homes because floodwaters are often very polluted. Um, they often contain raw sewage, which is devastating when this comes into your home. Um, take quite a long time to clear up after a flood. Hmm. Now, w- w- why is there an increase in, in flooding then, or, or natural disasters in, 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 in general? So there are three main reasons um, we're seeing changes to extreme events around the world. One of them is climate change, um, in particular warmer air, so our atmosphere is warmed by around one and a half degrees now on average around the globe and this holds more water which means our rainfall has become more intense and this can contribute to flooding. Other issues around climate change uh, include things like sea level rise or increased snow melt and this can also contribute to worsening flooding. Another reason is land use change, so we're seeing still seeing an awful lot of deforestation. Um, This can contribute to flooding. And perhaps more in the UK, we might see areas paved over, for example, or urbanisation around the world. And by doing this, we're speeding up the flow of water into rivers, and this can worsen flooding. And also we've seen more people exposed to flooding around the world. So... Since 2000, we've seen around a 20 to 25% increase in the number of people exposed to flooding around the world. Hmm. Thank you, thank you so much for for that, Helen. And uh, with, with your specialty, with your specialties in this field as well, giving us some more information in regards to that, Helen Hooker. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Peace, people. Thank you. So you know, a lot of people, as uh, Helen said as well, a lot of people are. Or more people uh, are being uh, are being exposed to, to to flooding as well, and it's something which which uh, which a lot of people some people might not even know how to how to deal with that yeah. or, or get get around that as well. But uh, it's it, it is a natural disaster which happens sometimes. It's it's our own fault as well when it comes to when it comes to these some of the natural disasters which which happen. Obviously, in some countries, they have a sort of uh, a sort of reservoir system or a system to actually drain yeah. the, the the flood as or the, you know the water quickly so that it gets dispersed and it gets distributed to other areas. But in some countries, they don't even have that, especially in developing countries, where if it rains and it's a heavy rain, then it's going to flood, and that flood is going to stay for for quite a bit yeah. until you know until until finally. The water gets uh, dispersed and gets, uh, you know, the flow of the channel of the water gets here and there. Yeah, it kind of begs the question as to why we're not as prepared. I mean, especially mm. when you're talking about where it rains more, say, in, towards the north of the UK. Yeah, why are we not better prepared for these kind of things? I look at like the um, examples in Canada, Russia, where you know where, where it snows a lot, mm. and they're just like they're they getting on with, with life and they deal with it. They know they what to it. do, but here, like, um, because I think we kind of expect more mild weather here in the in Europe. Um, especially especially where we live, hmm. so maybe we just we're like, oh, it'll be okay. We'll we'll deal with it. Yeah, we'll just deal with it. I remember, I remember there was actually one person I saw in I think a month or two ago, um, who had built like a kind of barrier all around his house. Yeah. Um, all around that, um, you know, his garden and everything, 
and it was supposed to be to prevent you know floods from getting into like protection against the floods yeah and i, re- I remember when the when the rains were really bad <laughs> you could see all the houses around were just yeah. like like flooded like the water was in the homes yeah. and this guy he was just like <laughs> the, the 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 barriers that were built all around his house like the, yeah. the walls they just protected everything and he was absolutely fine <laughs> the drone footage was quite amazing yeah well that's that's interesting that's very interesting here in the uk here in the uk yeah so i'm oh, thinking wow. like why why do we not have uh, measures like this or or even better ones to mm. you know to counter it's true um you know natural disasters when they do come it's not like we have major earthquakes or anything like that it's like but floods are something that we do worry about and you know it, it devastates homes just as dr helen has um, has mentioned yeah, it does. it's very difficult once it gets in and you know it ruins the floors and the walls and everything and you know to get rid of all of that it takes a long long time and the, you know the, the roads they, they they you know they also suffer from that as well yeah sure and it's 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 something which uh, because it rains quite heavily obviously there's a lot of cars there's a lot of traffic on the cars as well then you know the roads are going to they they rip, and obviously when there's potholes they have to get more they have to repair that as well. That costs money. That yeah. costs time, and you know the last thing you want to see on the road is roadworks going on. God, don't tell me about those yeah. because it feels like they're just increased over the. They 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 have they have year. increased yeah. it, and the thing is is that most of the time, I'm not sure about you, but my experience is most of the time when you go through those roadworks, no one's working there. No, I always see people around. Yeah. It's just the the, the frequency <laughs> of then. seeing them is just uh, it's not really lucky because it's still roadworks. Yeah, <laughs> the people the are there, people are there or not, yeah. they're still um, you know causing traffic, and that's it, the issue. Even even coming here this morning, yeah, there's, there's roadworks going on. Even if the it's too early for the workers to come, yeah, <laughs> it's even you have to wait at these temporary traffic lights. You know what's uh, one thing which is quite interesting as well is that the 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 reason why I mentioned that as well because. In some countries, they have a twenty-four hour system where people are working um, on the, on the roads. Where if there's roadworks or whatever is going, if they need to repair the road, they need to make a fresh road because of a natural disaster or whatever. Because here in the here in the UK, I, I must say, even if they have to fix something quite small on the road, a pothole on the road, or a drainage system which is on the road or on the pavement or whatever, it takes it takes not days, it takes weeks. For, for them to repair it but I've seen some footages in other countries such as such as Japan mm. where they have this 24 hour system and a lot of people you know because because they get exposed to, to a lot of earthquakes and there's a lot of earthquake, earthquakes that happen over there as well on a, on a regular basis so roads do and buildings do tend to crack and uh, move from their original place so they have to repair it quite often so when they do even if it's a big road, they can repair it within two or three days. A whole, a whole road, <laughs> because there's a lot of because a lot of people are working on that until it's finished. Not just a five to uh, you know a nine to five, or that that sort of job. Why can't we do that? Yeah, why can't, that's, that's <laughs> the Take thing. Why, why can't why can't we do that? As but well? anyway, we were talking about the you know, floods and you know the weather warnings with that as well. Hmm. And you know, it does really worsen <coughs> the driving conditions, and you know there are road closures. We see that even in our, even here down in the southwest London, where you know roads do get flooded as well, and you have to it really like you have to drive really carefully. Yeah. So you know that 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 there's chances of um, you know, that some communities will become cut off from by flooded roads, and that is something to be really wary of. 
Um, although it will be wet, the temperatures um, you know, across the UK, they will be mild this time of the year, especially in the parts of southeast, including London, uh, which I believe to we're going to experience. We've been experiencing like not, as you said, not too low temperatures at the moment. It's like mm. 12, 13, 8 degrees, which is okay. It's not not too bad, but you know the main bad, thing. Yeah. The main thing is to be uh, ready for the for the for the wetness. Ready for the wetness, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, it's it, it is a natural disaster, isn't it? And even Helen said that deforestation is one of the major causes for that as well. So uh, where where there is deforestation, we need to make sure that we are planting more trees as well, not just not just chopping down the trees for our benefit. Because yes, we do need we do need wood and we do need to chop down trees for the for the for for the benefit as well but if we're not replacing that um it's it's going to be detrimental for for the for the wider society especially if uh, if we see that the the amazon rainforest if they you know if, if if a lot of trees are being cut over there but it's not being planted that's supposed to be that's supposed to be the lungs of the of the earth isn't yeah. it but if they, if that's decreasing um, then it's going to it is going to be quite detrimental for 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 the whole world at, at large. So, just you just reminded me of something because um, yeah, we were, I was watching this documentary. I think it was Planet Earth three um, mm. with my with my children a few weeks back, and we're seeing how the you know the rainforests are being the, the trees are being torn down mm. to build more fields for for cattle and for crops etc. Yeah. And you know the fires that that happen as well, whether they're on purpose or not. Yeah. The reality is that we're losing um, we a are. lot of our yeah. of our rainforests and a lot of our, as you said, the lungs of the earth, and this is having a detrimental effect on in in a, in numerous ways. Mm. And my daughter was like, "I'm really sad. Why do we keep cutting down these trees? Why do we do that?" And I'm telling her, "We as humans, we have to change our behavior. As long mm. as we continue to demand such high levels of paper, wood, um, and you know, for for the you know the the techniques that we use for grazing and for." Yeah. And for our cattle and stuff, if we continue to have such high demand for all those things, then we're just going to continue down the same path. Exactly, exactly. As long as we don't change ourselves, then we can't expect the whole world to, you know, to make the change towards the right thing, so in the right direction. Hmm. So it's about starting from our own homes, and exactly. you know, there's a number of ways we, we we will know about that. But um, yeah, we're going to speak to um another guest of ours, Dr. Kevin Collins, who is. A, um, a senior lecturer in environment and systems at the Open University. His research and teaching focuses on innovative approaches to sustainability and environmental management using systems, thinking and practice. So good morning, uh, Dr. Kevin. Uh, how are you? And welcome to the show. Peace be upon you. Good morning. Uh, thank you very much. And thank you very much for inviting me this morning. So it's our pleasure. So, um, so Kevin, if I could start with just asking We've been talking about a lot about these floods and what the causes are, but how can we prevent flooding and prevent the damage caused by flooding? Well, it, it, flooding is a is a major event, obviously in UK. It costs us around about two point two billion pounds each year, um, and the damage part of that damage is about one thousand four hundred million pounds of damage in the UK alone from flooding. Wow! But to prevent flooding, we need to understand the causes of flooding. And there are many different causes and it depends where you live what kind of flooding you experience so for example in london most of your listeners will probably have experienced flooding caused by heavy intense rain perhaps summer thunderstorms or a sequence of heavy winter storms 
and that's a, a known as pluvial flooding. And the main problem here is that in our urban landscapes, when it rains like that, there's simply nowhere for the water to go. Um, this is because the drainage systems can't necessarily cope with the volume of water, so it collects in our roads, basements, car parks, tube platforms, you'll often see them on um, tubes or rail lines being flooded, underpasses and low-lying areas. So that's one type of flooding, and the other main type of flooding we get here in the UK is from rivers which have burst their banks um, as rain has fallen elsewhere in the catchments. And when we get a sequence of winter storms like we had this year, um, soils are very wet and rivers can flood very quickly and burst their banks as we've seen the storm Hank recently. And this happens all around the world as well, in California, Australia, New Zealand currently, they've all experienced very severe floods from rivers and also rainfall events. So the key thing to stopping or preventing some of this flooding, you can't prevent all flooding, no. you can prevent some of it, is to stop water moving around these landscapes quickly. So it's about slowing down the water where it falls. And the one of the key ways of doing that is simply to re-green our towns and cities and urban spaces. So I'm sure you, any of your listeners walking around will have seen that we've lost greenery in our, in Absolutely, our towns and yeah. cities. Um, it seems people, we're only going in the same direction and we're you know, tearing down more and more of the greenery, unfortunately. Well, this is... This is true, and I mean, even even in sort of domestic context, um, people you know pave over their front gardens, uh, they build on their back gardens. We've expanded the area of hard surfaces everywhere. So by putting in greenery um, and putting in green spaces, grassy areas, lawns, hedges, and plants, and also designing in some of these spaces that naturally flood uh, when it does rain, then we can help protect the properties around them. So for example, in, in um, Singapore, the Netherlands, um, they actually build in um, spaces in towns and cities which were designed to flood deliberately to accommodate all the extra rainfall and to allow it to release over a much slower period of time. But that's an important way of designing in some of these um, flood defences and flood prevention into our towns and cities. Yeah, I mean, Doctor, I mean, because you've, um, you know, your research is focused on like uh, innovative approaches as well to environmental management, can you just, just name a few specific policies or initiatives that do contribute to um, prevention of natural disasters? Yeah, I mean, natural disasters, it, it's, a, it's a difficult term um, because it suggests that we have we have no control over it. And it, it's absolutely true, we have no control over volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricanes, things like that. Mm. But what we can do is manage our exposure to these hazards and stop these natural events becoming human disasters. So, um, for example, the tsunami in Japan, which hit the Fukushima nuclear plant, that was a natural event, but it turned into a human disaster because of the um, design and the location of the nuclear plant. Um, in the tsunami, the Boxing Day tsunami in, in 2004, killed 2,000 230,000 people, um, the warning systems weren't in place. So it's about developing a more systemic understanding of the um, of how people are exposed to natural, the hazards of natural events, and then putting sort of building regulations, warning systems, and also providing um, enforcement. Um, as, as you will have seen, um, recent earthquakes, say for example in Marrakesh in 20th September last year, 
um, kill 3,000 people. Most earthquakes kill people because of um, collapsed buildings. And it's about the poor design, poor construction, and then poor enforcement of those um, buildings and development that means people are exposed to greater hazard than they need to be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know the news is looming, Kevin. I mean, uh, thank you very much for your time. And, and uh, I'd love to speak to you longer, but um, please do come on the show once again. Thank you very much and peace be upon you. Um, Asalaamu Alaikum. Thank you for being on our show. Have a lovely day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. With that, we'll, we'll uh, come back to this after the news as well. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio, talking about floods and how they have, uh, how much they have increased here in the UK and different parts of the world as well. Where this is a natural disaster, and natural disasters do occur. We need to do our bit to to try and prevent this as much as possible with all the different things such as deforestation and different things that we spoke about before the before the news break as well. A lot of people ask this question that if there is a God and if that God is almighty and all-powerful and omnipotent and all of these things has all of these attributes, then why does he why does he allow suffering to happen? Why does he allow natural disasters, natural disasters yeah. as well to, to, to happen as well? But a lot of people become or fall prey to that as well they 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 you know some people may lose their lives people may lose their homes people may lose their loved ones and their livelihood so why does that why does god allow that to happen all of these natural disasters let's listen somebody asked this question to the fourth caliph of the ahmadiyya muslim community Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmad. may allah have mercy on him and he gave a very a very beautiful answer to that one, uh, we'll just play a small clip from that from that answer for for your benefit as well. First of all, we should understand the philosophy of the natural disaster on a larger canvas. The natural disaster, as understood by human beings, is just an incomplete story. The true story goes far, reaches far behind in history. True story, in fact, is stretched to millions of years of man's evolution from in various stages. And when you understand, try to understand the philosophy of these disasters, as you call them, then you understand that uh, they are not useless in many ways. They have played a very important role in the history of human development, of the development of life. And uh, they have been blessings in disguise as far as the progress goes. So, whether you understand a local disaster in the context of human values or not, if you look back in the history of uh, evolution of life, you can understand easily that these disasters are a part of a general scheme of things under which the whole life is created and they have played their part and they are not being missed. So for the sake of a larger interest, smaller individual interests are always sacrificed. This is the principle. So because these disasters play an important role in the scheme of things, that is the scheme of evolution, 
of life and progress of life. So they cannot be just uh, discarded as meaningless because or cruel because some individuals suffer. The general philosophy behind these disasters would also be understood when you study the phenomena of life and death as pitched against each other. In fact, as far as the number goes, death predominates life. And each, at each step in life, millions and millions of individuals are sacrificed. For each childbirth, billions of potentials of life are, are sacrificed. And uh, again, the, and in the entire universe, you see millions of species and untold number of individuals in various forms, the various living forms. And what is their ultimate purpose? If you understand the scheme of things, they are made to serve human beings. And they only play a role to ultimately serve the ecology which is required by human development. And all this is a part of the scheme, so number is sacrificed for the sake of quality. That is, in essence, the meaning. So if billions upon billions our lives are sacrificed for human beings because they are superior. So if qualities are to be added to them or qualities of human beings are to be tested, put to test, some of their sacrifices are quite justified for that grand scheme of things. Now this is the general purpose and the general phenomena as I understand. But apart from that, when you apply this situation of disasters to human context, then you will understand that every disaster was avoidable or at least could be mitigated to a very great degree if human beings were morals, moral animals. So that was a, a brief audio clip from, uh, for, from actually a longer clip from His Holiness, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Mr. Tahir Ahmed. May Allah have mercy on him talking about these natural disasters and how Allah the Almighty, uh, it's the law of nature, how Allah the Almighty allows that to happen as well. But obviously, if if uh, if we as human beings can do our bit, it's, it is our duty to, to, to help and prevent these things as much as possible. But also, at the same time, if, if, if there is a natural disaster that has occurred, how can we play our bit in in terms of the relief in terms of going out there and helping those people who are who are displaced who who are who have you know who have their homes uh, broken down or the people who have lost their homes their, their their loved ones their family members as well in any sort of natural disaster and i know that the ahmadiyya muslim community we have the charitable organization of the of which is a branch of the community humanity first and they have a relief system as well they have a relief call where People go out there. Volunteers go out to 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 you know on the ground level and help those people, helping those people around the world, especially the especially the the developing countries where natural disaster has occurred or where there's potential to be a, a natural disaster. It could be a flood, could be a drought, could be anything, and uh, it's it, it is something 
which 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 the community does as because it's a part of our duty isn't it absolutely to, yeah to fulfill the rights of god and also to fulfill the rights of mankind as much as possible i mean even the whole earth like we as custodians of the earth we need to um look after not just human beings but also um you know the planet around us the animals you know everything around us that is part of our our responsibilities but yeah. i mean that that i think that brings us um to a good end to this part of the show where we've talked about the floods and natural disasters how we can prevent um them from you know from all the the ill effects of them at least prevent yeah. them from getting any worse so i think that's um that's enough for for this segment we can yeah. move on to something which is quite a intriguing and insightful um topic which is the restorative power of daily rituals and um ritual behavior is actually very is, has a very deep origin within within humanity hmm. And there's something which is tradition as well, which in scientific terms is basically just refers to passing down of customs and beliefs from one generation to another to the next. Yeah. But a ritual, on the other hand, is a series of actions performed according to a prescribed order and which is often embedded in a larger symbolic system such as religion or philosophy. And recent research suggests that rituals may be more rational than they appear. But why? Hmm. It's because even simple rituals can be extremely effective um you know rituals performed after experiencing losses from loved ones to lotteries or do alleviate grief and rituals performed before high pressure tasks like singing in public do in fact reduce anxiety and increase people's uh, confidence so this is um this is what we want to talk about and this is a call in show so please do call in that if you do have anything to say about this is um call in at 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at voice of islam uk So we've got our our guest for this part of the show with us or who's on the line with us Jenny Cummings Knight who is an experienced existential psychotherapeutic counselor in private practice in Norfolk specializing in couples work with a male friendly outlook as well she's also a qualified lecturer in counseling also peace be upon you good morning and welcome to the show Jenny Good morning Thank you so much for for joining us just to begin with could you share with our with our listener why daily rituals are affecting and how it could be and how they can help and improve our our mental health yes indeed i i think daily rituals are a way of grounding yourself and reminding yourself that there are bigger things than you in the world i think it can be very calming and it can help to give you a sense of actually being here within something bigger than you which can look after you and contain you so if you can do these things on a regular basis i think they can help you to have some framework which is supportive mm. in your life now with you know, a lot of people with the different issues people face different issues on a on a on a regular basis as well and in this day and age where the the mental health is you know it can it can decline quite quite easily with all the, how can how can these rituals help us in uh, overcoming that i think that well for example i think people often feel very panicky and anxious and overwhelmed mm-hmm. and if you have a calming ritual like prayer or meditation or simply spending some time quietly either in your room or going for a walk at certain times of the day let's say i think those sorts of things can be very calming and can make life feel less overwhelming for you right 
I mean, Jenny, I mean, there's, um, I'm sure there's also, alongside the many people who do support these kind of rituals, there must also be some misconceptions about them. Can you just share like some of the most common ones that people have of daily rituals? I, I think a lot of people are anxious about the very idea of rituals. They think that they're very prescriptive and that we're going to end up being locked in certain ways of doing things. You know, that if if you suffer with with um, obsessive compulsive tendencies, you might it might make them worse. Um, but the, the truth is actually the reverse. That if you can participate in some daily practice that is meaningful for you, you know whether that is prayer or meditation, depending on your your faith and your your world viewpoint. I think that is very grounding and very supportive for everybody and will actually help to reduce the possibility of mental health issues taking over. I mean, it's, it's, um, what you just said there as well is quite interesting because, you know, some people might think when they hear the word rituals it's to do with maybe some kind of relig- organised religion or something that you really need to uh, be a part of to be able to um, practice. Um, but that's not always the case because there will be people who are not religious as well and they have certain rituals that they that they have in their daily daily lives as well but can you just share probably what are the what maybe your top one two or three most effective daily rituals that may help people in this day and age in particular okay would that be for me personally or in general well what what, what do you out of your experience do you um you can give us what you feel is the most uh, impactful for yourself and then if you have any idea what other people do as well, that are probably the yeah, most, yeah. Uh, okay, I, I think that's a good idea. So, yeah. yeah, so for myself then, I was actually brought up within a strong Christian fr- framework, and I was encouraged to have a daily quiet time, it was called, where we would read some of the Bible and we'd spend some time praying. And I was encouraged to do that from my very earliest days. And so even on the days when I don't actually participate in that ritual per se, I still wake up in the morning and I... I kind of ground myself and I think, you know, I'm looked after and something bigger than me is looking after me and my day is going to go according to God's plan rather than my own sort of thing. Hmm. So so for me, that's, that has always been what has informed my own life. Um, for other people, though, some people, for example, will do, let's say, an exercise ritual in the morning, like a yoga or a Pilates, that sort of thing. Um, they they will find that that is very calming and supportive. And then other people would find that going out for a walk and engaging in nature is very supportive. So there are, there are various ways that you can do these things, but I think the key thing is to have certain points um, in the day. So, you know, first thing in the morning and last thing at night particularly, I think, are, are those kind of touch points. Uh, of course, you know, w- within the Muslim faith, you, you pray five times a day, don't yes. you? Yes, absolutely. So, so you know, you, you're actually connecting to God um, deliberately on five specific occasions, which I think is, you know, is a really good thing to do. But, yeah, I, I think the morning and the evening are the crucial times where we need to remind ourselves that, you know, we only have responsibility for our own little bit of the world you know we, we can only do so much each of us and the rest of it's not up to us and i think that's that's what could be really helpful no, that, that's a really interesting way of thinking about it as well i mean there, there will also be some listeners who you know, think you know we're not religious at all why should we um you know partake in these kind of rituals How, and in fact even if they do try why should they maintain them if you don't really 
have a firm belief in, for example, a creator or or you don't really see the, let's say, the benefits of, of rituals right away, what kind of advice do you have for somebody to keep these good habits and to keep them up qu- um, quickly? Well, I would say I would say to people that most people have an under, a basic understanding of the fact that we need uh, food, exercise, sleep, work, and leisure time, and that we need to keep those things roughly in balance. So I, I would say that adding a sort of meditation practice or a calming practice or something of this sort, a ritual of this kind, is just the same kind of thing. You know, we eat food at roughly six times during the day, most of us. Um, most of us have, you know, a certain number of hours sleep per night, even if it's only five, let's say between five and seven, something like that. So we're already participating in rituals because our bodies are designed in that way. Uh, you know, we live in a world where the, the days are marked by the seasons, uh, you know, and the light gets stronger and the light gets weaker as the year passes. We are already, we're already part of a system which is full of rituals. Um, so, <laughs> So, you know, so, so think about the buds coming out on the trees every, every spring. Isn't that a ritual? Hmm. It's, interesting. it's quite interesting, fascinating way of thinking about it. So whether we're aware of it or not, we're all part of some kind of, uh, we're doing some Grand rituals. Scheme, and, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But yeah, thank you very much, uh, Jenny. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been really interesting. Uh, speaking very, with you, it's opened my welcome. mind a bit, and um, oh, good! And uh, <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> hopefully, for our dear listeners as well, they they you know they've learned something as well. But thank you very much for for joining us, and uh, peace be upon you, and have a lovely rest of the day. Thank you. Thank very you. Much. You also. Thank you. Bye bye. So that was Jenny Cummings Knight, who is an experienced existential psychotherapeutic counsellor in private practice in Norfolk, and um, you know this. Um, mm. Even though she's from a Christian background as well, yeah. it's very interesting to hear different perspectives of how the rituals do do help us as well. It's and, true. Yeah, she talked about how we as Muslims, we speak, we pray for at least five times a day. Mm. And that's our way of kind of reconnecting with our creator and um, just kind of getting, a, you know, grounding ourselves once again and getting a perspective on life on, you know, how, you know, we're not, we're not the, we're not everything in the world and the world does not revolve around us. But at the same time, we have to play our part in this world as well. And, you yeah, know, these rituals absolutely. do kind of help us to, to move uh, in the right I direction. Think, I think we're, we're uh, what Jenny said as well is is quite it's quite interesting, especially for those people who are who are atheists, who are who are non who are non-believers, because obviously, as Jenny was saying, that she was brought up in a Christian background, and she her 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 childhood, she you know she used to practice religion. Even now, she does partake in in, in religious sort of uh, thoughts and rituals, such as praying and meditating, also. But it's something which which she said that. If whether you believe it or not, we're all part of a system, yeah. a, a supreme system that, and 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 we have to go through. We have to go through that. We can't just say that no, it's it's summer outside, but I want it to be winter, and I'm going to pretend that it's winter. You, yeah, you exactly. can't do that. You have yeah. to go according to 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 whatever God Almighty has planned for you. Now, or the system. Let's just say for the for those who don't believe in God, yeah. at least that whatever system is in place, it does have like a kind of. Um, system there and, and the rituals are all there yeah, and exactly. that's something that which is out of our control as human beings it's out of yeah. our control yeah. we, we know that the sun is going to rise we know that the sun yeah. is going to set there's going to be a day and there's going to be a night we can't we can't control that and if we if we if we can understand there are some things that we cannot control and we're forced to be part of a sort of ritual as well we're forced to we have to eat isn't it yeah. we have to drink water we have to do a lot of you know different things as well 
if we're doing that without us even thinking about it, then then why can't why can't we sort of take some time to actually think about all of these things that we can control and all of the things that we can't control, and then knowing that the things that that we can't control, there there must be something or there must be someone who is controlling those things as well, yeah. isn't it? I mean. And also for us as Muslims, because he is our a God, our God to us is somebody who is all wise, mm. and somebody who is all wise understands exactly what he has created and what his what the needs are for his creation. And so, you know, having a specific routine, um, you know, when we talk about prayer, when we talk about worship, we talk about the different acts that we do to in benefit of mankind and, and benefit of the world. Mm. All of those are there because they are of benefit to us, not because of they are of detriment to us. Yeah. It may seem that perhaps you know we're losing sleep, perhaps if we wake up early, or <clears throat> when we do fast, um, they, that we're losing out on food and, and energy. Let's say, yeah. Yeah. but the reality is that science and scientific research have backed up the fact that waking up early um, affects the body and the mind in a very impactful, positive way. And the same goes for fasting as well, and the same goes for many other rituals that we find within religion as well. Yeah. And you know, these what uh, the ones that I'm talking about right now they're common to many religions, and because it's our belief as Muslims that all major religions at their source are from God Almighty, the same God Almighty. Mm. Not we don't believe that there's a different, different God for a different yeah. religion. Yeah. No, we believe that they all have the same all-powerful deity who we all worship. It's um, and who has sent a message to to mankind throughout the ages, mm. and because of that, you know, Islam is a kind of uniting force that brings about all the the beauties you can say of other religions and kind of perfects it in our in our in, in our view. And you know, in this way, we really do find how taking that time, as you mentioned, taking our time to just think about things and to ponder over where we are in life, what we need, what we require, what the, the mistakes that we're making, how can we. Uh, rectify those mm, yeah you know these kind of routines and rituals that we have are really beneficial in that way and you, and we've seen you know even amongst uh, non-religious people how they they turn to yoga how they turn to meditation how they turn to all these kind of um, methods that do help them to centralize their thoughts and to really ponder over um, you know where they are in, in life Mm. And that that quiet time, as Jenny also mentioned as well, that that, that time just to have some quiet yeah. is something which really helps us to like slow slow things down, not just be yeah. in a rush all the time. Ground us, isn't it? And that's one of the reasons why, you know, people ask, um, you know, why are some of the prayers within Islam? So some of them are out loud, some of them are quiet. Um, you know, the ones which are actually quiet are when our, our thoughts are the most busiest and most like jumbled and when we were really like in the thick of things yeah working and exactly and those are like in the middle of the day you can say where we're working and everybody's thinking about um you know the they're preoccupied with something yeah. right whether it's education whether it's work and that is the time where we actually with the body and the mind needs quiet and that is why like some people might think like you know they're called the duhr and asr prayers mm. the the second and the third prayer yeah, uh, within the, the five yeah. yeah and that is where the body and the mind actually need that quiet to just like Let's take a breath. Yeah. Let's calm down. Let's um, you know. Let's think about where we are, and you know, and then we will feel refreshed, and we're back again yeah. with with some energy. Um, so you know, there's That's there's a, there's a big philosophy behind behind the rituals and the prayers that we do um, within Islam in particular, but generally, um, as Jenny has mentioned as well, they're you know they're not just they they're common to all religions. You can say they're not just for one specific religion, but you know, 
that's yeah. something which is clearly uh, over time is is shown that this is of benefit to mankind. It is, and, and that's why they've continued. I mean, Allah, Allah the Almighty has mentioned in the Holy Quran as well the the actual sole purpose of our creation, and that is sort of one of the major rituals which us us as Muslims perform on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, in fact, five times a day, Allah the Almighty mentions that He has not created the jinn and the man, but that they may worship Him, mm. and if that is the main sort of cause of our of our the main reason for our exi- existence then we need to do our bit in 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 fulfilling that fulfilling that requirement as well now the, the founder of the ahmadiyya muslim community the promised messiah upon whom be peace hazrat mirza ghulam mehmed of qadian he mentions in in one of his writings as well that islam has prescribed five daily prayers right mm. and ju- and those five daily prayers can actually be interpreted in a way where there's five different things which you know which uh, conditions which man goes through on a daily on a daily basis yeah and sometimes his faith is very high sometimes his faith declines and declines even more and declines so so down that it needs something to lift it back up mm. and then just like the day and the night you know there's a you know there's a daytime there's a time where the sun is at its peak and it slowly begins to go down the sun sets and then the sun rises as well so there is that whole process during the life or you know during our you know day and night which we cannot control which is out of our control but those can be applied to the different conditions of our of our state as well sometimes our faith is high sometimes our faith is low and to lift our faith from or that spiritual state from that low peak to that high peak is our is our duty to ask God almighty to 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 lift us from that from that from that low state as well so it's something which uh, which is quite interesting the points of science has described absolutely it's, fa- it's fascinating and um you know that's something which is kind of a motivation as well for me in particular because mm. when you think about um these rituals i, I asked jenny as well like, how do you keep people motivated to do something yeah. like that yeah because it's very easy to just give up if you don't feel the results right away it's very easy to just give up and say look um this is not working for me yeah but the reality is that we have to, our job is to is to is to seek and to ask and it's god almighty's job to give it's like um the example given of somebody who's digging and digging and digging mm. for treasure yeah if that treasure is um you know 10 meters down and some person and there's two people let's say one of them is digging and digging and he and he reaches 9 meters and he gives up because i'm not going i'm not getting anything here you know i've, I've tried and tried and tried but i've not got any reward yeah. for this yeah. if he's given up at that ninth meter he's you know wasted all the effort that he's made over the you know that time that he's all been digging time, yeah. but the one who digs and digs and digs and continues to dig until he reaches the the treasure they will have the reward for every single one of those times that they that they that they dig a hole in the ground to get to that yeah. to that level exactly so it's it's a it's a process it's not something which you know dear listener that we can expect to happen overnight over one prayer of course god almighty can answer a single prayer right away if he wanted to but it requires dedication from us it requires god almighty wants to see you know we have patience as well because he says seek in the quran he says seek pay, seek help with patience and prayer yeah without patience our prayers are rendered futile mm. because we have to realize we're the creation we're not the create we're not the creator yeah, yeah. It's not our, it's not in our hands what God Almighty chooses. We can also obviously it's our job to ask and when he does give then you'll realize that all of your prayers and all of the rituals or the worship that you've been performing over the days, weeks, years even yeah. 
then all answered in in a way that you will never have imagined. Absolutely, absolutely. We were talking about we were talking about seasons as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And how you know seasons are out of our control. The day and night is out is out of our control as well. But the Holy Quran literally tells us to to think about the alteration of the night and the day. Yeah. And uh, how the sun rises, how it sets, how the how the night comes into play as well, and all of these different things, even the star, even the stars. Allah the Almighty tells us to to ponder over these things while we're sitting down, while we're lying down, while we're on our side, while we're standing up. And it's 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 almost our duty. It's all it's almost our duty to actually think about these things. And when we do think about these things, then we can realize that yes, there is a creator, there is a good, there is a supreme being, a higher being who is controlling all of these things as well. Sometimes we can control things which are in our control, which are, which are which are subordinate to us. But of course, there are some things which are out of our control as well. But if they're out of our control, it doesn't mean that they they are just pre-existing. It means that, yes, there, there is a creator who is creating, who has created all of these things and is, you know, is, is in full control over these things as well. Now, when we talk about prayer in, in Islam, as mentioned, you know, throughout the show, that in Islam there are five prescribed prayers, which are obligatory, yeah, and they are according to the 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 solar calendar, in terms of you know, in terms of how the, how much of the day it is, what time of day it is, and how much night it is as well. But when it comes to the different the different months in the Islamic calendar, they are according to the lunar calendar, yeah, and specifically talking because. Because the month of Ramadan is soon looming as well, about is, about yeah. in, in in a month or so, it will it will begin, and every single year, it uh, it you know it, it comes back, it comes back ten days. Because the lunar calendar is, is shorter than the shorter than, than, than the, the solar, solar calendar. calendar, so bit by bit, yeah, you know, starting earlier and earlier. So we we get to experience Ramadan in every part that's, of the that's the beauty of, of it, the isn't year, it? Yeah, that's the beauty. Of the it. summers are very difficult. Summers are <laughs> a bit a bit challenging. Yeah, yeah it's a bit challenging. And in the you know now I mean now now the month of Ramadan as the year as the years go by it will become easier and easier because they will go into the into into the winter days isn't it and spring yeah spring spring days and then of course the winter days as well in in future years to come but that's that's the beauty that's the beauty of Islam as well that we Allah the Almighty has prescribed every single thing for for our for our own benefit and these rituals that we're talking about if prescribed if done properly if done with uh, due diligence and on a regular basis they can definitely help and assist our well-being as well but a lot there's a lot of things can, that can upset us mentally and our mental health can actually be distorted from from a lot of different things especially in this day and age but taking that time out to to stop and think about just think about life to think about all the good things that we have done and how we can improve uh, our, our our moral states as well. It's our duty to try our best to to better ourselves in this in this regard as well. And this is what this is what the you know the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmad may Allah be his helper, on several different occasions, he has told us that you know before before going to sleep every night, think about all the self introspect think about the good things that you've done, think about the bad things that you've done. And make sure that tomorrow is better than today. Make sure that today was better than yesterday. 
Absolutely. And every single day you improve because there's a saying of the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that no two days of a Muslim are the same. No. Every single day should you know should be better. So when we self-introspect, when we look at our rituals and how we can improve in these rituals as well, that would put us in that better state, not just physically and mentally, but spiritually as well, which is the main which is the main reason for for our existence as well. We've got we've got another we've got an audio clip that we want to play for for you as well for the for the listener which will talk about the acceptance of prayer and praying with sincerity of course we know we spoke about that Allah the almighty has created us for you know for for, for prayer especially but how does Allah the almighty accept prayers especially those prayers which have been done with sincerity as well let's listen to that right now and this really cuts across all religions that you say correctly. It's not just Islam. This is every, every faith is teaching us to have a certain spirit behind all our acts. Without that spirit, it remains just a physical motion or ritual or rite, which God himself may reject. And yet if the spirit is in the act, God loves that act, even if it may fall short of a mark of a prophetic prof uh, prophet's perfection and doing the same thing. And, and the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallam, he focused on both of these issues amongst his followers. Uh, for instance, there was a, one narration where a man came to him, um, a man was praying in front of him, and he noticed the man was, was going through the motions of prayer, and after he finished, he said, go back and pray again. And, and the man dutifully went back and prayed a second time, and we know from tra tradition, this happened three times. After the third time, the man, he, he resigned himself, I don't know what to do now, please instruct me. He gave him the instruction as, as uh, Armasab has said, this is how you pray. And you pray not like the chicken who's pecking you know, at the mm. ground, pecking the, the grain so quickly as if you have no heart and soul in it. Almost a mechanical yes, motion. Yes, mechanical motion, just going through it as if I've, I've done it now, I'm, I'm free. Pray slowly, concentration. This is, this is critical to worship your Lord. And the key here is worshiping your Lord with his spirit. So in the Holy Quran, it condemns those people who pray for show, and it commends those people who pray with spirit. And uh, in, in one chapter, uh, uh, which I can come to here, which speaks to this very issue, it uh, talks about those who pray in that spirit, Al-Bayana. In Surah Al-Bayana, which is chapter 98 of the Holy Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, uh, regarding the revelation of this Quran, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ مُخْلَثِينَ لَخُدِّينَ وَمَا أُمِرُوا We have not been commanded إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ But to worship Allah in sincerity to him. This idea of sincerity is the spirit of all of our actions. And that spirit has to be in our prayers. If it's there, the prayer can still be accepted even though we are not praying like the prophet. Even though we're not praying like the saint, or, or as he mentions, with all this sincerity and all this uh, perfection of, of the, the ritual, the rite of it, but the beauty of the spirit of it. 
So that was uh, a brief audio clip, which 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 uh, which was about acceptance of prayer and praying with uh, with sincerity. And of course, Allah the Almighty, you know, the, listens to listens to those people who are who are sincere in their prayers as well. But not just sincere in their prayers, but also they practice what they preach as well. It's not as if they can go about doing whatever they want to, and then they pray sincerely, and Allah the Almighty will say, "Oh yes, everything is everything's fine. I'll accept your prayers." Allah the Almighty wants sincerity in actions as well, so it's not just about it's not just about prayers, but also the your actions should match your should match your words, whatever you preach as well. Practice what you preach. That's what uh, that's what is important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just going back to you know we were talking about rituals. Hmm. Some people might say, look, I'm not religious. So I have I have routines, and my routines are different from rituals. Right. So what's the difference between the two? Like a ritual and what's a routine? In terms of rituals, they often carry some kind of symbolic or ceremonial significance, actually, hmm. and to ser- serving to mark as a special occasion, transitional, you know, kind of like a belief system, you could say. Whereas routines, on the other hand, are typically like some kind of habitual activities done for just practical purposes. Um, yeah, as I said, without any like symbolic meaning. Hmm. So, I mean, the, in 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 essence, there is a there is a similarity between the two. But it's giving it that extra meaning when you when you when you turn it into a kind of ritual, and it's not just um, for physical, um, let's say, well-being, but also for spiritual or or even psychological well-being. You could say, and that is the thing where you know where rituals really do come into play, and um, you know routines generally are the more flexible, adaptable to variations in circumstances or personal preferences, whereas like rituals are deeply rooted in. We've we've seen like in like social and cultural contexts as well. Some things are some like even like yoga, mm. like you, you feel like the the origins of it, like you can say in the subcontinent, and you know where it's really prevalent. But the people you know in the West as well have like kind of caught onto that and thought like you know this is mm. seems to be like a very peaceful way, and it's something which um, the West you can say has adopted as well. Yeah. And given their own like kind of flavor too as well, yeah. But it's it's clearly that it clearly shows that there is some kind of benefit there. That people wouldn't just copy something which is of of no use or have no benefit to it. Hmm. So I mean, you know, the, the, for us as bringing it back to then um, what we believe in Islam as well is that it, this is from experience as well. I'm not just saying this out, out of just some kind of theory, because it really does provide comfort. Prayer that we do on a daily basis. It's something that really brings comfort to the heart, and that is something which we find in the Holy Quran as well, because God doesn't just—he um, doesn't say just pray for the sake of praying just to make me happy. Yeah. God doesn't need our prayers; He doesn't yeah. need anything from us. Yeah, He does. So for, he tells us for our benefit, because uh, you know we might be suffering from anything in life, and you know in this day and age, mental health crises are just on the rise, and they seem to be rising and rising and rising, and we all go through times when we're down. When we're struggling, when you know we need someone to help us, but we just don't know how to ask for help, hmm. and that's where God Almighty is always there for us. Like you can you can think that I've I've made mistakes in life, or you know maybe I've never really given God a chance, but the reality is that God Almighty tells you not to ever despair from His mercy or from His love. Hmm. His love is there for us every every step of the way, as long as we seek it. And He taught us a very very beautiful prayer, which actually taught you know Prophet David. Hmm. Peace be upon him. He taught him that um, the um, to I I ask for your love, and and for the love of those who love you as well. Hmm. 
and for that action, give me that action as well, which will help me to to gain your love, which is most beloved to you. Hmm. And in that way, when you're asking for God's love in that way, it's a very beautiful way to then um, to appeal to your Lord and to to also feel it within you, because it's not just about saying words; it's about feeling them in your heart. And God Almighty says that those who believe and whose hearts find comfort in the remembrance of Allah, yeah. uh, it is in the remembrance of Allah that hearts can find comfort. Uh, and that is at the, the most basic level as well. Prayer is um, is good and even necessary for sound mental health because mm. we're not just doing it just to do a few bowing and prostrating and standing and sitting. These things are all part and parcel of the prayer, but the essence that comes with it the prayer, the you know, the fervency that we have as well that we need to show within our prayers, yeah. help us in on every level, spiritual, be it physical, be it psychological, be it mental, all of those things they're all covered within within the rituals of prayer. I mean, Allah the Almighty has taught us right in the beginning of the of the Holy Quran as well, that Thee alone do we worship, and Thee alone do we implore for help. Yeah. Now the Promised Messiah upon whom be peace. The founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has very beautifully, beautifully explained that these, this verse, literally tells us our, 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 our state, our how we are, because if we look at, if we look at, if we look at it from a, from a worldly perspective, we cannot do anything on our own. No. On a, and on a spiritual basis, we cannot, we cannot attain that high spiritual level on our own. We need Allah the Almighty's help. We need His support. So if we, when we pray to, when we pray towards Him, we ask Him that, Oh Allah, give us that strength, that ability, so that we can even worship You properly. And then when we can worship You properly, the alone to be implore for help. Then of course, all the things that we are asking You for, help us with those things as well. We, you know, we're, we're deficient. We need, we need that help. We need that assistance. And it's, it's only through Allah the Almighty's grace. It is only through these rituals, once we perform them properly, according to what Allah the Almighty has told us to do, then of course Allah the Almighty will help us. We pray towards Him with that sincerity and with that peace of mind that we will listen to Him, we will obey Him, and we, you know, we're not going to be one of those who are who are who who you know who say one thing but don't do the other thing, and we practice what we we practice what we preach as well now. The Promised Messiah upon whom be peace has also said that there are roughly if you if you if you look at if you ponder over the Holy Quran, there are about seven hundred commandments or about six hundred commandments he has mentioned in different places. Now, if even if you don't act upon one of those commandments, talking of, and these commands commandments could be taken as rituals. Even if you don't follow those rituals, one of those rituals on purpose, you're closing the door of salvation upon yourself. Now, of course, you know, it's, it's, quite, it's quite difficult to act upon 600 or 700 commandments. That, that's a difficult task. But it's about that sincerity. It's about how much you want to obey Allah the Almighty, how much you want to try your best to fulfill those requirements, to fulfill those rituals as He has told us to do as well. So all of these things are for our own benefit. He doesn't need any of it. I think there's a, there's a deep philosophy behind that as well. Some people might be thinking like, why should we all make you know so much, mm. so much efforts? If if for example at the end of the day, the good people are just going to go to heaven, bad people are going to go to hell. Yeah. 
and it's basically like an equal reward for no matter how much uh, if you made a small amount of effort which is just enough to pass hmm. or if you made like for example let's say that like you get 60 mark or if you there's somebody who tries to get 100 marks hmm. in a test if they're both going to get the same reward then what's the point in making what's another extra effort yeah. but the reality is that God Almighty um, within Islam we're taught that that heaven has different ranks as well there's different levels of heaven as well yeah and the the greater the effort that you make in this life and sincerity that you show and the devotion that you show to God Almighty, the greater the reward that you will also get in the next Absolutely. life. So yeah. there's always that incentive to do more. And that we, we, we've we never done enough. Islam always teaches yeah. you that that no matter how, no, much, how much good you you've do. done, there's yeah. there's always more to do. And you've always got some kind of shortcomings or weaknesses. And these kind of like um, just self-analysis, you can say, or you know, retrospective thinking about where we've where we've been in the past and how we are now and how much there is more to go that really helps us to then think like you know what i have so much to do yeah. I, i'm so far behind yeah. and there's so much that more that i need to do to get to um a level which i haven't seen yet a level of love and pleasure yeah, of god almighty that i true. can attain there's always more there's no, isn't there, there's no limit to it exactly. and that is the beauty of faith because you know there's as you said there's highs and there's lows and without the lows you'll never remember um if, you know, if it's just highs all the time, yeah. then it will just become normal. Yeah, and it won't it, become special. It won't it? become special. Exactly. You need those lows to also remember. Look, I've, I've felt a spiritual high before, so I really want to do that again. Get back on that. Yeah, and that's why there's night and day as well, isn't it? Exactly. If it was day daytime all the time, you wouldn't appreciate the daytime. Yeah. If there was if there was no nighttime, so that's the thing. Uh, that, and that's why that's why Allah the Almighty has told us to constantly seek istighfar, which is in Arabic, which is seek repentance. And to seek repentance from not just there's two types of repentance. One type of repentance is from those previous sins that you have committed, and from and the the second type of istighfar or seeking repentance is from any further um, mishaps or you know future sins. You future could say, sins that you protect could, us from you know from the ill effects of any exactly or, or from committing even committing uh, even Ill, ills or evils or, in the future. Exactly, and that's exactly. why even you know the greatest man. Yeah, in this world to have lived to have walked the earth, the, pro- mm. the Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he would tell this was his example that he would tell his companions that I, I seek forgiveness at least seventy times a day, yeah. every single day. So you know that that in itself is showing Just that if he if he, if he is the greatest person is asking <laughs> for forgiveness seventy times a day, what should we do as you know for me as a, like a lowly regular mm. human being who yeah. There's so much more to do. So much more to do. Literally. So how many times should I be seeking forgiveness? That yeah. seeking forgiveness is actually a way of, um, is, a, is a kind of protection as well. Because as, as you said, you're asking Allah to forgive, not just forgive, but also efface your sins, like mm. completely wipe them off your slate and literally. to and to give you like a clean start. Mm. And when you have that, then you have confidence that, you know what, I can go forward and I can, I can do as much as good as possible. But at the same time, we all have, we all have shortcomings, weaknesses that we're, sometimes we're unaware of. Mm. Sometimes you might hurt someone's feelings from the words that you say, but you don't really intend to do so. So you're kind of asking God Almighty, please forgive me and save me from doing these kind of things and from hurting anybody. As you said, a Muslim is one who, from whose hand and tongue other people and other Muslims are safe. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. You know, all of this, when you put it all into context and you have this big picture, Islam is presenting such a beautiful um, outlook and um, way of life that really helps you to become a beneficial member of society and to everyone around you ir- irrespective of religion or society or um you know say caste or creed or color hmm. as yeah i mean as you as you mentioned there's no there's no limit 
to how to how high you can go and for that person that that being that noble prophet the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him his example was such that i mean it's so beautiful that in some in some traditions it is said it is recorded that he would pray for so long and he, you know voluntary prayers as well he would pray for so long that his feet used to used to swell up and uh, his whole body used to ache as well and his standing position the 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 bowing down position the prostration was so long and so beautiful as his wife has as as has described it that it was it was such that you know the you know the companions used to look and they used to say that if allah the almighty has forgiven all of your sins and you haven't committed any sins as well and if allah the almighty has promised you heaven in the in the hereafter then why do you why do you pray for so long why go through so much trouble and you know the holy prophet of islam peace and blessings of allah be upon him said that don't you know don't i want to be a uh, a, a thankful servant of exactly. of, of, my, of my lord so all of these things you know it, it tells us that the holy prophet of islam peace and blessings of allah be upon him how much he he loved his god almighty and how much how he performed these rituals in, in the best way possible and it's you know the, the caliphs who came after him the rightly guided, guided caliphs who came after him uh, may allah be pleased with all of them they also followed that that same example as well trying to fulfill the rights of god and of course trying to fulfill the rights of mankind and this is the same thing that we want to emulate and copy in this day and age as well as the as the the the, the founder of the ahmadiyya muslim community as mr ghulam ahmad of qadian the promised messiah upon whom be peace he also attained this level of uh, of prophethood through following the example of the holy prophet of islam peace and blessings of allah be upon him and allah the almighty made him and he commissioned him to to actually start this community the ahmadiyya muslim community and now you know we we under the fifth caliph of uh, of uh, of the promised messiah hazrat mirza masrur rahman may allah be his helper who continues to tell us in his in his sermons the the very noble example of the companions at the time of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him that how they lived their lives how they performed these rituals and how they helped and assisted the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him so much so that they were ready to give up everything in fact just just last friday sermon there was he narrated that there was a companion who 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 literally got married and then the next day he went to the battle of ohud which was the second greatest battle and then he he was martyred over there as well he didn't even he didn't even shower uh, and he you know he got married the night before he didn't even shower and he went to the he went to the battlefield just to protect the holy prophet of islam peace and blessings of allah be upon him so these rituals which those early companions performed it's you know it's uh, great you know, example it's for all of us and it's a great example you can learn so much from them as well absolutely i mean even this one like final thing i want to say like the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him said like qurratu ayni fi salah that the delight of my eyes is in prayer yeah and that is the the best ritual you can have because you're not just fulfilling your own rights as to your own soul and your own body but also the right to god almighty as well so it kind of fulfills everything that you require in life and Absolutely. you know with that i mean i think that's we've come to a nice nice yeah, end to, to the show nice yeah into the show as yeah. well and of course thank you to all the all the guests who took time out and and spoke to us as well uh with their with their expertise the the producer namud seher and of course the 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 
researchers Hanya Yaqub, Sahra, Sarah uh, Chaudhry, Razia Chaudhry, Jaziba Khan, Kashfa Ahmed, Mehrij Dogger. Thank you to all of them, the technical department as well. And of course, it's always a pleasure to to present alongside Nuruddin Jahangir, um, as, as always. Until next time, we will come back with some other interesting topics. But until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.